Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is the podcast Women and Mythology, and I'm your host, Maria. In today's episode, we will continue interpreting the story of Vasalisa with a focus on Baba Yaga, the witch, the wild goddess, the wild mother. If you haven't heard the story of Vasalisa yet, I invite you to return a few episodes back and listen to the story. This will give you a better understanding of this episode. So, let's meet Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga is the witch, which means she shares in many ways several elements and qualities of the witch archetype. For example, witch coming from the word wit, which means wisdom, witch as a healer. The shadow side of the archetype of the witch is to take control over, and that is something that Baba Yaga is very capable of doing. However, in the version of Vasalisa that I told, we see a Baba Yaga that has equilibrium, a Baba Yaga that is fair. She is very powerful. She has the power to take life. And you see, she even threatens Vasalisa in taking her life. But still, she comes across as being very fair. Baba Yaga is also an element of fearsomeness, the ability to cause fear on the other person. A lot of that ability comes from her power of annihilation, her power of taking life, and also the power of creating life, the power of giving life. I believe that fearsomeness is one of the qualities that we have lost simply because our society doesn't allow women to nurture and cultivate. And even the women who do cultivate this fearsomeness, they are repelled and exiled. Holding fearsomeness It's a very important quality for a woman. She will travel and journey through her life with much more ease if she has a bit of fearsomeness. If people know not to mess with her, with her project, with her creative life, with her relationships, with her babies, with her family and friends, how can we embrace some of that fearsomeness of Baba Yaga in ourselves? Remembering that we must hold our equilibrium, just like a wolf holds that fearsomeness. We know not to mess with the wolf's cub. At the same time, the wolf is still very loving to his cubs. We need to find that balance between being approachable, being loving, being gentle, being generous, and all the beautiful feminine qualities, and also holding fearsomeness not necessarily as a masculine quality, but embodying it in a feminine way. Another important quality of Baba Yaga is that she is fearless. Again, here, distinction between fearlessness and recklessness. Because she has no fear, it doesn't mean she does things in a reckless way. It doesn't mean she does things without thinking it through. But she has the courage to follow her intuition has the courage to follow that wild self. In some ways, Baba Yaga is the marrow of the instinctive and intuitive and integrated psyche. The marrow is the soft substance in the cavity of the bones that produces the blood cells. So we could look at Baba Yaga being as an archetype, the marrow of Laloba, the core of Laloba, the one that produces the energy that Laloba needs. Baba Yaga teaches us 
to know what lies behind. In some ways, Baba Yaga has the power to see through the shields of the persona. Baba Yaga has the power to see what's coming next. And we want that power. We want to embrace some of these Baba Yaga elements. That will only make us stronger, more wild, more resourceful, and more capable of traveling through the world. When Vasalisa comes to visit Baba Yaga and ask for fire, she is coming to visit a part of her psyche that is this powerful wild goddess, wild mother. If you remember from the past episodes, she is a, in a journey of allowing her two good mother to die. And as the life, death, life, nature exists, a new mother is taking place. So as the two good mother dies, a new mother is arriving. And this new mother is Baba Yaga, is the wild mother. And as she allows the ideas and the values of the two good mother to fade, the ideas and the values of Baba Yaga will now become more alive within her. Another important task that Vasalisa goes through as she meets the Yaga is she needs to learn how to stand in that power. Many times I hear women saying that men are not able to stand powerful women. The truth is, women are not able to stand powerful women. How many times have you found yourself in a room with a very powerful woman and you feel uncomfortable, you feel out of place? We are not raised to stand powerful women or even to be a powerful woman. We need to do this work to be able to become one, but also to stand in the power of the other, to stand and witness the power of the other. A lot of women when facing Baba Yaga would run for the hills She is quite an image to look at. She is so powerful that she makes Vasalisa very vulnerable. Vasalisa can die at any moment as she is in front of Baba Yaga. However, she does not run. She is able to stand in her power, which allows Vasalisa to gain some of Baba Yaga's power. I would invite you to reflect here on your past experiences and when have you witnessed a powerful woman and how did that make you feel? Perhaps it was that uncomfortable run for the hills feeling. Perhaps it was fear. Perhaps it was vulnerability or maybe not. Maybe it inspired you. It encouraged you. It gave you passion. And if it has inspired you and gave you that passion, that means that you received some of her power. Not in a manipulative way, not in a way that deprived that woman of her own power or, you know, stealing someone's power, but the opposite of sharing. A woman, when she shares her power, she also gains power. It's a symbiotic relationship. And finally, after standing in the presence of Baba Yaga, Vasalisa enters her house. And her house is the instinctual world. And Vasalisa needs more of that instinctual world in her personality. If you think about it, the house of Vasalisa, the one that she began the story at, that house is without fire. And we would see fire in mythology as something that makes us warmth, that generates life. Fire is transformation. A womb needs to be warm for a baby to create. A woman needs to burn with fire, with passion to be able to create art. 
The fact that the Vasalisa's house had no fire means that her psyche was cold. Her psyche was freezing. Her psyche had no moisture, no warmth, no ability to create. And she enters Baba Yaga's house where is warm. It's the instinctual world. It has two chicken legs, which means it is also alive. It is joyous. It's dancing on those chicken legs. So we see that the psyche and the space of Baba Yaga, the instinctual world, is filled with enthusiasm. And this is what we want for our psyche. We want our psyche to be warm. We want our soul to be warm, to be filled with life and energy and ability to create and lots of vitality. As Vasalisa enters the house, she needs to do some things for Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga asks her, if I am going to give you fire, you will need to serve me. You need to do some tasks, laundering Baba Yaga's clothes, cooking for Baba Yaga, and cleaning the house, brooming the floor, sweeping the floor. Let's just look at some of the elements and symbols here. Taking care of the home and taking care of the clothes means to keep the soul life in order. Staying in the wild nature, spending the night, being present with that instinctual house, being present with the instinctual life. It is also about participating in the life-death life cycle, in that cycle of renewal. The first task is to launder Yaga's clothes. And we've seen in the episode of Bluebeard that the clothes are a symbol of the outer persona, the outer self. And washing is to cleanse, is to purify. So when Vasalisa cleans Baba Yaga's clothes, she is in some ways integrating parts of her clothing to her psyche. It is almost like she is borrowing one of Baba Yaga's clothes and adding to her psychic wardrobe. I always love to suggest to my participants to perhaps have an element of their clothing that symbolize their wild self. Could be a pair of earrings or a bracelet or a scarf or a dress, something. Sometimes I find that the smallest things are better because then you can use it every day. I believe most women might have a jacket, a dress, or a skirt that makes them feel that wild goddess. And we put it when it's full moon, when we are in a certain period of our cycle. But then how about having a smaller element that you use every day? Even if you are in a nine to five traditional job, if you're going to an important meeting or a special ceremony, something that you use that reminds you of this instinctual Yaga-ish world. You could even pretend it's a piece borrowed from Baba Yaga, given from Baba Yaga to you, to remind you of her power, of your power. Vasalisa is not washing Baba Yaga's clothes in a washing machine. She is washing it by hand, which means as she touches her clothes, she is inspecting different parts of it. In some ways, she is ins inspecting the persona of Baba Yaga. She is understanding all of Baba Yaga's qualities, that fearsomeness, the passion, the fearlessness, the strength, the endurance. She's examining everything and she is receiving some of that as well. Just like our clothes can be worn out and be in need of a wash, our values and ideas also need that. 
So here's the moment where Vasalisa is doing that. She is, in summary, taking in the details and qualities of Babayaga's persona, adding to her psychic wardrobe, and at the same time, cleansing and washing and cleaning her own values and ideas about life. Seeing it now, not from a cold house, but seeing it from the perspective of the instinctual world. The second task that Vasalisa needs to do is brooming the floor, sweeping the floor. And to clean Baba Yaga's hut means keeping unusual, soulful ideas in order. As we've seen, the house is the instinctual world. You can imagine Baba Yaga's house. It probably has lots of different things. Just like our psyche, we have so many different ideas. Some of them complete opposites, others complement each other's, others are more paradoxical, but we find a way for them to fit. However, it is important that we do some cyclical cleaning in our psyche, just like Vasalisa does in Baba Yaga's hut. Keeping the psyche and the wildlife uncluttered means keeping the head clean. And the cleaning needs to be cyclical. It's not about going on a meditation retreat and cleaning the mind once a year. But doing that practice every day or perhaps three, four times a week if every day is too much. Having a moment where you discard some ideas, we're going to see the importance of releasing ideas in another story. There is so much more to be said about this, but because of our time, I'll just leave it at that. And let's move to our third task, the cooking for the Yaga. How do we feed the wild goddess? What does Baba Yaga eat? Certainly not a raw diet. What I mean by that is that Baba Yaga needs food that is warm. It needs food that is cooked. And as it said in the story, Baba Yaga eats for lunch what 30 men would eat which means she has a big appetite for life. We need to feed our wild goddess abundantly. What does it feed the goddess? It might be dance, it might be music, it might be ritual, it might be solitude, it might be nature. There are so many ways to feed the goddess. There are as many ways as there are women in this world. And each wild goddess needs to be fed in a different way. It is up to you to find your way of feeding your Baba Yaga. But one thing we know is that every Baba Yaga has a big appetite. And we must cook much to create a relationship with this ancient feminine goddess. One of the questions that you can ask yourself is, what do you think your Yaga craves? What do you think your Yaga desires? Is your Baba Yaga starving? How can you feed Baba Yaga? Another task that Baba Yaga asks Vasalisa to do is separating the mild corn from the good corn and separating the dirt from the poppy seed. And this is such a beautiful symbol for discernment. Baba Yaga is here teaching Vasalisa to make fine distinctions. She is also teaching Vasalisa about life and death. So in this learning to discriminate, Vasalisa is starting to become more knowledgeable in a ways of discernment. She now can separate what is real love from false love, what is nourishing life from spoiled life. And she also can make even more detailed and finer distinctions, not just separate what is medicine from what is not, 
but also what kind of medicine is needed. Sometimes, for example, we can say that meditation and dance and music and prayer and being with friends and making love are all medicine for the soul, and they are. But do you know when to apply each medicine? So here, Vasalisa is not just learning to discern, but to make really fine distinctions. So Baba Yaga is teaching Vasalisa what is food and medicine for the psyche. And very interesting is that Vasalisa is always asleep when the doll is doing this work. This is something related to our intuition episode, but it's important to notice that the intuitive doll completes the tasks, It which means that it happens, this knowledge, this learning experience, this gaining from Baba Yaga happens in a deep level of the psyche. One of the ways that you can experience this is asking a question before going to sleep and allowing the intuition, the deep level of the psyche, to provide the answer. Sleep is seen in mythology in two ways. One is it can be seen as something like being absent, not being present, not being conscious. But in another way, it can also be as a metaphor for resurrection, a metaphor for deep connection to the soul, deep connection to the unconscious and to intuition. And it is this kind of sleep that Vasalisa enters, which means her doll, her intuitive self is doing the work. Her intuitive self is getting to know Baba Yaga, is bringing Baba Yaga to her psyche, is taking on these learnings. So we see that in this part of the tale, Vasalisa, guided by her doll, by her intuition, is meeting Baba Yaga, serving Baba Yaga, and learning from Baba Yaga. She is also gaining some of the Yaga's ways, some of the Yaga's knowing. We will also see that everything that is happening inside the Yaga's house will help her later on as she returns to her home and meets her stepfamily. But no spoilers yet. There is so much more to discuss and bring forth from Baba Yaga. I will bring some more ideas in the next episodes and also on my workshops and programs. But for now, I'll leave you with this reflection. I hope it has inspired you. And if you feel moved to share your relationship with Baba Yaga, please contact me on Instagram at Woman and Mythology or through my website, womanandmythology.com. Until our next episode, I wish you a powerful encounter with Baba Yaga. Mythmaker Podcast Network.